uh, in this episode, we have a good friend of mine. He, you know, honestly, I've, I don't remember how I met him. So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, his, his name is Watkins. He is considered a, like a mentalist, right? Mainly a mentalist. Uh, would you say magician too or no? Uh, well, no, I don't ever do any magic anymore, really. <laughs> okay, so just a mentalist. All right. So, yeah, so so yeah. mentalist uh, Watkins, that's his stage name. Um, if you want to keep your first name a mystery, that's fine, too. Yeah, we still yeah. will, I think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Tell people about yourself. Um, you're living in New York, so I guess you're not from New York. No. Let's start uh, there. Yep, originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Moved up to New York with my wife in 2015 to uh, pursue a career in mentalism. And that's where I met you, Richie boy. Yeah, yeah you know, I was thinking about that earlier uh, when I was prepping for this um, on like what to ask. And that's actually one thing I wanted to ask because I honestly don't remember how I met you. <laughs> that's pretty all funny, I man. <laughs> all I remember was going to your house and us <laughs> watching conspiracy shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I rem I remember because it was um it was like right after I moved here, me and Courtney, my wife, uh, we were I was going around Bryant Park and doing some mentalism for people, and then I started doing it on this one guy who after I was done said, hey, you know, I'm a magician too, by the way. And it was uh, our mutual friend Malachi or Malachi. And uh, and I started talking to him and he, I was asking him about like, you know, finding an agent or a manager or whatever. And he said, oh, you ought to hit up my friend Richard Torres. And so then I found you on Facebook and we started talking on Facebook. And that's when we found out we live in the same neighborhood. <laughs> right. Oh, right. So it was Malachi's fault. Yes. And, and you know what was really was really funny about that is I met you through Malachi and I never hung out with him for like three years until I ran into him again <laughs> at, uh, at Magic you know, Box. He's, was, he's, <laughs> he, he says that too. He, uh, before you guys started hanging out was, oh, you know, how is it that you're hanging out with Watkins and I'm the one that met him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of strange. And he he went to do like mentalism and that to you right which basically means like you know like mind reading tricks and stuff right yeah yeah i was doing doing some stuff for him and it wasn't until after i was done that he was like hey you know by the way i, I know how to do this stuff too and yeah. what were you doing in brian park i i actually well i mean i was just going around just trying to get some videos on on my phone and stuff not anything like you know just for fun i guess Huh. by yourself like just yourself like selfies no yeah it was no it was me and courtney she was oh, okay. Uh, okay. filming me uh, yeah she was filming me walking around i think there probably is still one of the videos that we got up on my youtube channel i'm not sure but i think so yeah, and what's your youtube channel just so that people know uh it's watkins mentalism we started a series right uh what maybe a year ago a youtube series Right. Um, yeah. I think the working title we right now is like Concrete Magic. And that's something I think Dennis, uh, who was in the last podcast, uh, had titled it. And it seemed right. You know, it was basically and the idea. Right. Was that a team of magicians, a gang of magicians would go around New York and perform stuff. But 
we wanted to do things kind of differently, right? We we didn't want to do the typical street magic type of thing, correct? Yeah. Well, my 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 contribution was was literally you guys had already been out doing the thing, and then I just came in for that one uh, that one time going out and filming and stuff, and then we set up this stuff like I was going to be on the next episode, and then all this crap. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. So <laughs> so so just so everyone's up to date, we I started a YouTube series called. I guess we could officially call it Concrete Magic. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, the channel is youtube.com slash Drew Torres. is D-R-E-W-T-O-R-E-Z, like zebra. Um, that's a whole story on how, why it's called that right now, but I, I can't change it unless I have, I think it's, I think it's a thousand subscribers because they've changed it. And that was just a default name that I had back in like when YouTube first came out. And I, I, I can't change it. So that's what I've been using. People get confused. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Drew, I started the wait, series. Drewy boy. What? Drewy boy. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you, you have that nickname, right? That you gave me, apparently. Yeah, just Richie boy. And it's so funny because everybody's calling, everybody that I know that knows you is calling you that now, too. Yeah, I blame you. That's your fault. Yep. Uh, so this, this YouTube series was basically... You know, I wanted to keep doing YouTube content, but I I just keep making these productions so big that I need a team. So, and I wanted to basically show magicians who are not that known or in 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 the industry because a lot of the times you have these like magicians who are like, you know, they become pretty popular on like on social media or like have been on TV. And I wanted this to be a little different where we're portraying like kind of what we call the workers, you know, like, like you do gigs, I do gigs, you know, uh, Dennis does gigs. So, you know, we, we were all part of this show where it was just a bunch of guys just hanging out, doing tricks with people, but I didn't want it to be just another street magic video. So each episode was going to cover a different, uh, area of magic. So one would be like car tricks and, the, and then the next one was going to be mentalism. So, the second episode, I think it was second or third episode, uh, I wanted to kind of focus a little more on the mentalism stuff. And that's where you came in, right? Yeah. And I edited that. I remember, I remember we, sh- we went out, we were shooting. And, and then I edited it because I was going to introduce you in the next episode. Yeah, and it was pretty badass what you had, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and you guys could see that on the, on the channel. The very ending, you'll see uh, an introduction to Watch With It was it was supposed to be a mystery, but right now it's not a mystery anymore. I mean, I guess yeah. Like, now it's spoiled. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's now it's spoiled. Uh, but it's it was because we were going to do a weekly or monthly like episode, and we were going to cover different areas. It was going to be like a mini series. But of course, this happened, and and I'm assuming it will it will start up again once. Yeah, no, we're we're definitely gonna start up again, and also like we I paused it also for a few months because I noticed the direction it was going was very street magic y, and I remember we didn't want that because there's too many of that already. So, you know, I'm kind of hard to be creative with it with that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, so, yeah, it's very. Like say everybody's doing that now. We're. I'm just trying to rework the entire um, 
process or, or, or the way the show is going to be put together so that it's not like another street magic where we just go around and do street magic and stuff. And I kind of want it to be more like story-like, you know? And, and we had some great ideas like at that Starbucks when we sat down. Remember that? that like that was some crazy Yeah, that was pretty dope, man. A lot of production has stopped right now. I mean, all our gigs are gone, right? Because of the whole Corona thing, the Rona. The Rona. Do, do you call it Rona? Uh, yeah, sure. Sometimes. Yeah, the <laughs> Rony virus. The what? The Rony virus. The Rony yeah but yeah it's it's basically everything stopped no magicians haven't done any gigs but when when uh, what was the last gig you did last gig i did well me and me and kent did a you know did a bunch of performances on that tour that i went on and i think oh, that right. the last the last one that i did that was an actual show for people was at uh, a place called autos on the river in maine that was the last show that I did. Yes. Yep. And that was that was like two months ago now. Uh, so so yeah, like, talk about that. So so you so the other reason we also had stopped the next episode because that was going to be pretty much kind of starring Watkins in a way, and we kind of stopped it because he also had mentioned to me that oh uh, yeah I'm going on a tour with Kent. Um, Kent is another, uh, would you say mentalist magician or mentalist? What, what, what does he usually go by? I'd say he does both. It seems like whenever he's on stage, he does mentalism, but whenever he's doing close up, it's all magic. Okay. So yeah, so Kent, I guess is another mentalist magician type of guy, another worker. Um, he used to live here in New York, now lives in Vegas and yeah. really great guy, really good mentalist. Uh, if whenever someone tells me, you know, do you know any good mentalists? I usually say Watkins and Kent because um, they're really good and I've seen their stuff. So if you haven't seen their stuff, check them out. But Kent had started this tour and, and I remember he spoke to me about it, but I just I didn't feel like I had um, the time for it per se, because it is a lot of time and it, you guys were gone for quite some time. <laughs> Yeah, and it was like two. It was two months in total. So when did you start that tour? Uh, what, well, what was us, the tour about? Well, both of us have books out. Um, I had my two books I put out uh, last couple of years, and then he had one that he put out that I wrote the foreword in for him. And, and what's the uh, book because that, what what are the two books, books that you put out? Oh, I had one that's called Jana. That was my first one, and then I had one called Positive Negative. And I'm actually in the works on my third one right now. But uh, a couple or maybe a year ago now, I think Kent put out a book and, and me and him have been jamming on mentalism ideas and we think very similarly. And we're always, you know, bouncing ideas off much in the same way you and I usually do, Richie boy. Uh, <laughs> and he had, he had this idea of, you know, I mean, he had already gone on a tour all on his own. Uh, the year before, and he was thinking, oh, it would be cool if we teamed up and went on a lecture tour based on, you know, our material. Not just lectures, though, doing uh, performances at places, too, where we could. And so it was kind of mixed, and it was all the way across America, basically. Like, we started in Vegas. I flew out there, and uh, we did, a, you know, we did a lecture there, went down to Arizona, uh, went to you know Texas to a couple places, and I went up to my hometown in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Went to Kansas, all the way up through New York, where we did a show, and then uh, we actually did a show at the same place that you and I did a show at one time, Parkside Lounge. 
yeah yeah and this one was this one was pretty similar but a lot less people because it was you know freezing outside but uh yeah. but we went to uh then from there we went up to maine where he at where his family is and stayed there and did uh the show that i was talking about oh no actually no yeah we went to maine then we went up into canada and uh did a lecture up there or two lectures up there and then came back down through Maine. That's whenever I did my last show that I performed with him because me and him kind of, we merged our shows together to make a kind of back and forth two person mentalism show that was actually getting pretty good responses too, considering that we didn't really, we kind of were learning it as we went along. We just took some of the parts of his show, some of the parts of mine. People that don't know, when we say lectures in the magic world, it's not like a college like a college lecture per se or or a lecture like you know something like ted talk where people are just like lecturing about a certain topic um this is more like how would you describe a lecture from the magic side or the magic world it's, it's more just well, like it's a bunch of magicians and performers right well yes i mean it's mostly i mean almost every time it's gonna be you know other magicians coming to it but Basically, it could be about anything from presentational ideas to just tricks that you're teaching, or uh, even sometimes you will just get a performance in there. And uh, it's basically magic classroom. <laughs> you, you go to a magic club or you make contact with a magic club and they're usually the ones that host it. Got it, okay. And and this is basically, and there are some magicians who that this is all, that's all they do. They don't even perform. They just make a living doing lecture tours to other magicians yeah i think i i actually don't know how many people just do the lecture tours like that but that would be pretty that would be pretty yeah. weird because i don't know how you would even really go about testing out your material before teaching it yeah you know? yeah i mean i've heard i mean that's what i've heard that there are some magicians and you know mentalists and stuff who you know what that probably is? That's probably people that have, you know, they're kind of retired or whatever, and they, you know, they aren't doing shows anymore, but they've they've built up a reputation enough to where other magicians still want to learn their stuff in person, and then yes. they want to go out there and go see it. Yeah. And would you say it's easy to get to get into a lecture, or do you just have to know where they are because they don't they don't really promote it unless you're in, within the circle, right? Uh, well, I, you know, Kent had already, he kind of took it as, as his job to, uh, you know, book the dates and, and make the contacts and set up the lectures. And my my thing that I was doing was I wrote out our uh, lecture notes and uh, workshop notes that we were going to be selling or, or not, not even selling to cer certain people that came to our workshop that we would do afterwards, which is a more in-depth lecture on a very specific uh, type of performance uh, they would get that for free but I basically typed that out and um, that was my my job so I didn't really know too much about how to go about booking these things other than Kent would just call up these places and just do research and find any kind of magic club that he could to uh, to to book us and let us do it and we I can't think of a single lecture that we went to where we didn't get a positive response out of it and it was my very first time ever doing any kind of uh magic lecture and it was a it was a learning process at first but after i'd say probably like the third or fourth one i had it exactly like yeah i know exactly what i'm gonna do and it became you know second nature 
Yeah, it's almost like uh, like any other performance style, right? You 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 or like comedians, I, I usually compare it to where they go out and and they have a set of jokes and they perform for a different audience every night and they just keep doing it until until they find until it works basically. Well, right? what was kind of fun about it, yeah, what what made it kind of interesting and and fun is that it's the first time that you're able to actually perform a trick and fool everybody and then say, "Okay, now here's how it's done." And I kind of got into that idea in and of itself because most of the stuff that I was doing because what I do is kind of uh, you know, obscure mentalism stuff that most magicians don't even really know about. I was able to fool all of them at the beginning you know and then break it down step by step exactly what happened and how i did it so is this something you think you could keep doing again oh yeah for sure i mean if uh any of those places that we went to if they wanted to have us back or you know i'd be totally down and the thing is is that it, it actually became a lot easier than i even thought because at first i was like oh man i don't even know if i have enough material to really go on for you know five hours because a lot of these things do go on for that long uh but you find out that it actually the time goes by a lot quicker than you'd think to where like by the time i've taught like my third trick it's it's already been you know for a, a pretty lengthy amount of time and and not only that, but I was doing it with Kent and we were going back and forth. You know, I would go up and perform something and then teach it. And then he would go up and do something like that. And we also had other little things that we were doing too. Like he had this really cool idea of using a virtual reality uh, set up to uh, prove a, uh, a point that we were trying to make about disclaimers and magic and mentalism. And that took up some time as well. So what is disclaimers? when it comes to that disclaimers uh, in magic and mentalism is whenever you let the audience know that what you're doing is a trick and you don't try to sell it as as the real thing so it's the difference between a mentalist and a psychic to me is that a mentalist lets the audience know that what they're doing is a trick and uh, a psychic basically just pretends what they're doing is real and both Kent and I uh, disagree with you know, misleading people and, you know, making them believe in all sorts of pseudoscience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure you still get people that still believe you, even if, <laughs> even if you said it bluntly that this is all an illusion. Yeah. I know that for sure now because Kent, Kent's been doing the disclaimer thing a lot longer than I have. And I've seen it firsthand i mean i've been up on the stage with him when we do when we do do the disclaimer and even after going pretty heavy on it people would still come up to us after the show asking us to talk to their dead relatives and stuff i think it all just depends on on how good that thing you just did you know like was it convincing enough that even though you said it's a trick, they might still question that, like mm, that can't that couldn't have been a trick because it was too good yeah and and yeah i've seen i've seen how people react whenever you're doing your stuff too i don't think it even really matters if it's mentalism or magic if the illusion is strong enough people can believe in it you know i went to uh i went to go see chris angel's show uh and even though he's his levitation and all that stuff of going you know walking on the air it is obviously an illusion i heard people afterwards coming out saying that man floated 
they believe there was a real sorcerer <laughs> there who's able to float. And yeah, both Kent and I heard people saying that after the show, which is really, really, yeah, it's really crazy to me. But that just goes to show, man. I mean, you you got to be careful with some of this stuff. <laughs> you know, that's 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 crazy because like, so they 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 went in knowing that they're seeing a magician or an illusionist, right? But then you go to see a Broadway show, say Aladdin, and you see the carpet flying around in the theater. Are you really going to say, oh, that carpet's really flying? What is happening right now? Well, I don't think that it's the norm for people to believe in that stuff, but it does happen. You know, I'm sure there are people out there that are sitting there wondering, is it real, the the carpet flying around in, in the Aladdin show? I'm Which sure I hear... There are some I dumb hear, motherfuckers out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that uh, that entire like moment is really, really well done. Uh, Actually, so, you know what? I went backstage and saw all that stuff. I didn't. I don't. I don't. I don't like Broadway stuff at all. But yeah, I was with uh, Kent and his brother. Uh, his brother's big time into that, and I guess he had some kind of connection, and we were able to go back uh, behind the stage and stuff and see all their props and their setup. And I've I've been on that stage and I saw their. Uh, it's crazy, uh, right? The, the, yeah, I saw the rig and stuff like that. Stuff's pretty cool and interesting to me. I would never go see the show, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, talking about shows, right? So you're a yeah. worker, right? What we call like someone who does a lot of gigs for a living professionally right you used to not do that though right you had another job uh yeah and i mean even whenever i was doing the gigs i still have other jobs that that i try to do because i don't get enough gigs yet well actually none right now but uh, but i, I wasn't <laughs> getting enough to where i could actually be like okay this is all i'm gonna do and i don't even know if i'd really want that either I like yeah. to do a whole bunch of different stuff. You know, I work at the vape shop, electronic cigarette store, and it's like, you know, that's like a bullshit job, but I like doing it. And yeah. uh, and I like having the security of knowing exactly, you know, I'm going to make this amount of money and I don't have to worry about desperately looking for gigs all over the place. But I also do really like it when I do have a bunch of gigs, especially towards the end of the year, like at Christmas and stuff. You and I have done them together, you know, and that's... yeah. That's always a good. That's always a good time. And we but, yeah, kill during, every single time we do these gigs together. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. It's super fun, man. That's actually my favorite, man. Is whenever we're both able to go and do it. Yeah, because I've, I've I've done gigs with other people. Sometimes people I don't know, but it's it's a lot of fun doing the gigs with you because like we we like yeah we do different things, but at the same time like we you know we we work a room really well. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That last one we did, uh, where we, uh, you were like, "All right, you do. The, you start at this end of the room, and I'll start at this end of the room, and then we just cross each other and you yeah, know, take care of it." And it's kind of cool like to that have. We both. Okay, you're doing you know, magic. Yeah, you're doing magic, and I'm doing the mind reading, and yeah. So they they get something different, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when um, we got there, and we were trying to find the client. So that they, we let her know that yeah, we were there. Yeah, those people started speaking crazy to us. <laughs> so, so imagine this. This is at a restaurant in the city by the water, right? I don't, remember, I don't remember the name of the restaurant, but we get there. It's a, it's a kind of a tight space, 
we don't know which groups of people is for us because there's no signs really that i mean there's a sign that says there's a holiday party going on for x company but we don't know who's who right yeah they had several different they had several different uh groups there and we walked into that one and they started looking at us crazy man the way the way that that lady approached us when we, when we went through that back that back room it's as if like we just crashed their party and <laughs> it was the end of the world for them because remember she like ran up to us and then these two guys came up like who are you we're like and we know we're all professional we're like oh hey you know we're the magicians and stuff you know nice to meet you're you like, well, obviously you're in the wrong spot <laughs> yeah yeah they even like cut us off they're like well no we didn't hire magicians and uh, then we got confused. <laughs> then we realized that the party that we're actually in the middle of is the actual party that we're supposed to be at yeah that was pretty funny yeah those are my those are my favorites man it's whenever we get to team up on that stuff yeah yeah and and we did what we call like walk around we basically just walk around the event and basically mingle with everybody and perform for a few minutes yeah. for each person right did what was the craziest thing that happened for you at a at an event craziest thing that happened because you know mm. like we we deal with people all the time and just like any other like people business you're gonna you know you're gonna see some crazy stuff like what's what's yeah. one that you can remember i i know one but i don't want to say it just yet because that one was like i remember you were so mad from the one i'm thinking of um, oh yeah you're talking about like with people who are like you know okay yeah the, the, there's one where and that was like two years ago now but it was the definitely the worst gig i ever did because the 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 lady who hired me uh had me she wanted like 30 minutes of close-up entertainment like what you were describing earlier going around and you know doing stuff up close for people and then she wanted to have a 45 minute show for everybody and i told her i said if you want to have a show I need you to have these certain things. I need to have a microphone. I need to have a, a designated performance area. Everybody's got to be able to see the show. I said, if you don't have those things, I'll still do the show. I said, but it's not going to be to its fullest potential. And, you know, it's probably not going to be a very good show if people aren't able to see it. Yeah. And, uh, and she said, okay, that's fine. Don't worry. And I said, I also need an introduction from somebody, uh, preferably you or, you know, whoever, whoever is, uh, has any kind of authority with the group that we're, we're talking to because I don't want to just the way that these things work is and you know I mean you already know this is that I had nobody there knows who I am so I can't just walk up you know in front of everybody and just start commanding attention there needs yeah. to be certain build up for especially a show of, of the kind of nature that we're doing yeah because you do uh, a lot of you do a lot of quote-unquote stage shows when even though it's not really a stage you do like you do like a show for the room right and that's mainly what like that's that's your bread and butter in a, in a way yeah and the thing is though is what i think sometimes a lot of people forget or they just don't even think about because they aren't performers is that that kind of show is is totally different from going and seeing a show at an actual theater because everybody that showed up for the show at the theater they knew they what they were going to they were anticipating the show they're ready they don't need any introduction to anything but the kind of shows that you and i do nobody we're knows strangers 
Yeah, nobody knows who we are. Nobody, there's no anticipation built up, and and a lot of times they don't even know that a show has been set up for them. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because the client sometimes thinks that, you know, they had this idea with whoever team they were they're working with coming coming up with the party planning. They're like, oh, it'd be cool if we surprise everyone with a magician. It'd be so nice. Everyone's gonna love it, which isn't always true. Yeah. Well, and and that's the other thing is that even uh even if they do tell everybody there that there is going to be a show at some point it's you're not going to have the same level of excitement and anticipation that you would for somebody like if you said okay david blaine's coming in you know and or chris angel's going to come in everybody would know exactly what the hell's going to happen but if you tell somebody hey there's this mentalist that's coming in you need to have some sort of introduction to build up that uh that that uh anticipation and the interest so I have my own intro that I came up with for the host to give. And I told her I need somebody to uh, basically introduce me. And when I get there, first of all, there was no designated area set up. So that was the first big thing. Uh, there was no microphone. There was no uh, seating arrangement to where everybody could see what was going on. Nobody knew that a show was about to happen other than whenever I told them when I was doing the uh, close-up performances which wasn't everybody in the room because it was only 30 minutes, right? And then also on top of that, when I asked her to do the introduction, she said, oh, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to let so-and-so or some other person do it who didn't really know exactly what was going on either. So he gets up there with no microphone and he's not speaking very clearly or loud enough for everybody to hear. And that was what the setup to the show was. On top of that, a bunch of people at the, at the gig were uh, very, very drunk and belligerent. And they were right next to the area that I had to impromptu, like do an impromptu setup of a performance area. <laughs> and it was right next to this uh, bar where people were standing and drinking and being as loud and ob obnoxious as possible. So I go up there and I start doing the show and the, there's, you know, a good number of people that are starting to get into it. You know, I try to, try to, I'm trying to build up this uh, interest as I'm doing the show at the same time, which is pretty difficult. And there, at some point when I had to turn my back to the people that were standing to the side who were drunk, one of the guys got into my suitcase, my own personal belongings, and steal my business cards, right? And this is after they were spent the entire show interrupting and doing all that and, and, and trying to distract the attention away from what I'm doing. And uh, that that definitely made me angry. So I turned around and I saw that this guy had taken all my business cards for some reason out of my own stuff. And I go up to the lady after the show is over uh, and I and I told her, I said, okay, so I'm gonna need the, uh, the balance because you know, they give you a 50% deposit before the show and then they give, they pay the rest of it. Or that's how I usually do things. And she said, oh, that's okay, we'll send it to you tomorrow. And I was like, all right, I was just ready to get out of there. I wasn't in a very good mood. And then the next day I get a message from her saying, um, because not a lot of people enjoyed the show and because you, uh, you know, people weren't really paying attention, is it okay if we just call it even with the, with the deposit? And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> so I go back and forth with her until finally after going back and forth, I said, you know what, knock off a hundred bucks and send me the rest and we'll call it even from there. And that yeah. was, uh, 
and that was yeah, after that was a while of like going back and forth with her too because i remember you called me about it like right after because you were you know like it was very difficult to put on the show when not only is the audience like the crowd just already like super drunk but also they didn't have anything ready for you that's like saying yeah you know you, you have a mechanic come over to fix your car um or, or you show up and the car is not there yeah and they say and they say oh you got to go and uh work on it all the way across town and yeah. by the way because you spent all that time going over there to work on the car i'm gonna pay you less <laughs> yeah, it That's took. Now, yeah, <laughs> I want you to go and 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 fi- and fix that car uh, all the way across town, but um, you know, I don't but want the you lesson, to. The lesson learned at the end of the day for me now is uh, to add into the contract. If these things aren't aren't supplied or if they aren't ready, then I'm just doing the show. I'll I'll re- I'll keep doing close up. I can do that anywhere. You know, I can do that all the time. I yeah. said, but I can't, I'm going to, you know, that's what I tell people nowadays. If, if there's anything, or even if there are big groups of people that obviously don't want to participate in the show and they're there to specifically to interrupt it. And if you do nothing to help stop the situation, then I, then I have the freedom to stop the show and I can just start doing close up from that point on. You'll still get the same amount of time. But I'm not gonna, you know, stay up there and do a substandard show that you're gonna be upset about with later, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, because they they at least because if, if you at least do the walk around, at least they still get entertainment. It just won't be on the stage, you know? Yeah, right. And and that's that's uh that's happened before where it's like people think you know we do all these events and everything works great all the time. It's like no, you don't understand. Like sometimes these events just do not go as planned, you know, like in your situation. Like I've never had anyone go into my belongings. And, and what's crazy is you told me that you're standing in front of the room doing your bit and then your your props and stuff are behind you kind of, or like kind of off on the side and everyone can see the guy go and grab your, your things out of your, your suitcase and no one said anything. Yeah, well, and the and the thing is, though, is that, like, I feel like as the event host or the person who hired you to come in, the, the audience is kind of, I mean, it's it, that's your responsibility as well. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have somebody come over to my, to entertain my group of friends if I know my group of friends is going to be treating them badly. You know, yeah. like, my bad. I would be embarrassed myself. Like, I would take yeah. responsibility for that. <laughs> Also, right now it's seven o'clock, and yeah. so if you hear, I don't know, my mic, my mic's picking it up. Are they doing this in, around your area too? People are clapping. Uh, not around my area. My my neighborhood's really really quiet. You know, oh, like, okay, no, well, nobody around here gives a shit about. Yeah, because <laughs> at, at seven o'clock, you know, people uh, are clapping to uh, give, I guess, what is it? Respect, honor, and all that stuff to like the. The essential workers yeah so yeah so if you hear clapping right now i'm not going to be able to edit that out so that's that's why you're hearing clapping because it's seven o'clock right now uh, which yeah. which reminds me is a good segue to take a little break so we'll be right back walking so we're back and that last situation you had was pretty crazy because again like you said 
someone went into your bag in the middle of your show while everyone's watching and no one said anything right yeah, and the thing is, is that, like I said, the moral of the story is at some point you do have to learn uh, when to take control and when to say, look, this, is, uh, this isn't working. Like, in retrospect, what I did wrong is I should have, in that situation, uh, said to them, hey, I'm still going to be here for the same amount of time. You're still going to get the same amount of entertainment. It's just the show is not going to work. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people, and the reason why, and that's, it's not like it's anybody... It's not anybody's fault, really, because no. like we talked about earlier, some of these people didn't even know that a show was going to be happening. So they can't really be expected to sit down and be quiet after drinking, you know, and, and just pay attention to this to this show whenever they didn't know. And that's another thing that falls back on the uh, on the event planner. But but at the end of the day, yeah, you don't always have to just do exactly what you think the event planner wants especially if they're not willing to meet you halfway exactly because you're the professional and that's in any field like if you're a photographer or anything like that you know they they you're the professional so you they expect you to know you know how to handle certain or you know what to do in some situations you know and yeah, yeah some, some, some situations you know will will be out of your control and you won't know what to do but you know just act it out <laughs> make believe uh, yeah there is a lot of situations where you got to think on your feet in fact uh in fact if you like i let me tell you about this one thing that happened while kent and i were on were on tour uh and we were doing a show at this place called black hearts magic theater uh magic theater and shop and shop and uh it, they had just opened this is like they're brand new like they just opened this shop and it was it's a magic store in Kansas, uh, wait, where was this? Is in Wichita? Yes, it was in Wichita. <laughs> I keep getting Kansas City and Wichita mixed up, but this was in Wichita. And uh, Michael Blackheart opened up this shop with uh, all the you know classic magic shop anybody could go into and do that. But he also has a back area that was a theater where he was going to be hosting different magicians. Like every week, he would have new magicians come in and do their show for a couple nights. And me and Kent were the very first ones to uh, to do a show there. And when we got there, first of all, Michael Blackheart is like one of the coolest guys ever, man. Like he had the place that he had set up was awesome. But whenever we got there and we're doing the three, we did three nights on uh, it was I don't remember if it was the second or third night, but there's this mentalism trick that I do in my show where it's basically it's it's basically you have three envelopes uh where somebody has written down the name of somebody important to them one person has written down a place that's important to them and another person has written uh, made a drawing on it and they seal them inside envelopes and then those envelopes are held by a judge in the audience and then it's my job to basically guess the contents of the envelope without ever you know touching them or coming near them and the judge, their job is to make sure that I don't uh, ever go near that and nobody comes near it. And uh, that it's kind of a test conditions kind of experiment. But what ended up happening is I messed up in the middle of the show. I'm not gonna go into too much detail about how the trick works or anything, but I messed up and I've gotten myself into this situation where there is the judge sitting there with the last and final envelope with a drawing inside and it's my job to guess what that drawing is. But since I messed up, I actually don't know what the drawing is. Yeah, I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. 
Now, because the, sh the show that we put together was I would perform a little bit and then Kent would come out and perform a little bit. I had to stop my trick before divining the contents of the drawing envelope. And I had to say, okay, I'm going to save that for later. Let's bring Kent back up. And then Kent comes out and he's doing his thing. And I'm over there freaking out in my head because I have no idea how I'm going to close the show out because I don't actually know what, what the drawing is. And there's this woman sitting in the audience who's holding onto the envelope and there's no way I could get to it, right? Yeah, because you told her you do not let you get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's where things get really funny, though, because Kent is doing something in, like he's doing a trick in mentalism called the Q&A act where everybody in the audience has written down these questions and they're collected in a bowl and he's taking them all out one at a time and and guessing what the question is and then giving an answer to it and at, while he's doing that I'm going around with this microphone to all the audience members so that way he can do have a little back and forth with them so it just so happens and by the way he has no idea how screwed i am at this point either and i'm over there with the microphone right around the audience he just so happens to go to my judge the woman holding that envelope he just so happens to go to her to take a question out of the bowl so i see that she has in one hand she has the envelope and the other hand she's holding on to this uh to the the folded up question and i have to go over there and hand her a microphone so I went ahead and just took a risk, man. I had to grow balls of steel, man, because I went over to her. I handed her the microphone, and then I said, I'll take that for you. And I took the envelope from her hands. And because <laughs> Kent was talking to her that whole time, I let that be the distraction. And I ran around the entire audience and went into the backstage area, ripped the envelope open, looked inside saw what the drawing was put it in a new envelope and by the time i got back kent was done with his thing with her and i just handed it back to her i said thank you very much and then i was able to close not only was i able to close the show out but it killed dude nobody noticed it and she didn't say anything man nice. Nice. <laughs> it was crazy yeah. bro but that was, that was one that was one way of thinking on your feet right there man oh totally yeah i i, I that, that reminds me of Oh man, I were you were you with me when I used to do a bunch of open mics in the city? I don't know if I remember going to any open mics with you. Okay, so one night, oh god, this is this is like one of the bad ones, and this is in front of, you know, it's it's a it's a weekend crowd, Friday night or Saturday night, and it's it's in the part of the city where people just love to go to bars and you know like band watch bands and comedy clubs and all that stuff so it's it's a pretty lively audience right into the packed house so i'm there i'm 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 at an open mic i'm performing uh this i, I was opening uh making a, a a bottle disappear right from a paper bag so i i would have a paper bag with me i would have a bottle an empty coca-cola bottle put it in the bag and everyone can see that and then with with no moves or any hiding anything like that i just crush the bag and the bottle vanishes right it's a really good trick um the audience like loves it you can have you have a nice panther with them because you could play with them but what happened was without giving away how the trick works i messed up so bad because when i was talking about the trick i don't know if i told you the story the bottle <laughs> The, the, do you remember the story? No. The bottle slipped, right? And then what happened, and if, if I tell you what really happened, then you'll kind of figure it out, but I'm sure you'll figure right. it out. 
the bottle slipped out of my hand. And at that point, it was slow motion because <laughs> now the secret's revealed. Everyone's yeah. <laughs> gonna know how this trick works in full view. There's no hiding it. I can't run like you did and, and fix it. There's no, I can't, there's no way to fix it. Right? <laughs> and I thought, hmm, maybe no one, know, maybe no one saw that, even though there's like a hundred people watching me at this point. So I literally just continued on, picked, picked up the bottle, put it in the bag and made it disappear. And everyone went insane. They had no idea how, how that happened. And I was dumbfounded because there was no way for me to think of my feet. I can't just walk off stage because I didn't do anything. I look terrible. I'll get booed. So I had to save it. So I'm like, my only option was, let me just pick it up and do it again and see if anyone noticed the secret. And no one noticed, which is That's which funny. is crazy. But that was one of the bad ones I had. Like, I remember yeah. like, the magicians with me there and when they saw that their mouths dropped they're like that's it that's it you yeah. can't fix that <laughs> and somehow i did i can't uh, tell you how many times uh, i can't tell you how many times i've i've uh, like straight up had situations like that where it's like there's no way that not everybody saw this but in that split moment i'm sitting there thinking i can either just stop the whole show and walk off in embarrassment or just pretend like nothing happened and every time i've pretended like nothing happened i always still get a good response afterwards so it's kind of weird how that works oh yeah no totally and what was interesting too is i remember once have you ever done a show and someone tried to ruin your show, but they're being purposely rude to you. So like they're trying to diss you basically in front of a whole room, but without doing it directly at you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had some situations like that. I don't know. It's always been a lot more direct though. <laughs> like they're just trying to challenge. So basically what the reason I'm asking is because I did a show once many years ago and it was in this it was a it was a catering hall for some nonprofit organization um and it was a, a a religious group right and this specific group they're they're kind of known to not be fans of anything to do with magic right so but i was there to perform so i did my thing and everything was fine and I'm doing this one part where I'm, I have everyone kind of similar to what you did, where you had each three people think of things and you put in an envelope. The only difference that I had, I didn't have envelopes. I just had them think it, right? Yeah. And this one lady, I told her to think of a name, someone I can't possibly know, right? So, and then I had someone think of a country and another one person, I think, think of like his bank pin number or something like that so i get the pin number right i get the country right and now i'm on to the name and what i usually do is i like to describe the person they're thinking of you know doing uh, right. like a little bit of like cold reading and all that stuff and you know i write down the name of the whiteboard before revealing i tell her you know you thought of a name you changed your mind a few times and she says yes she, I, I did uh, and this is someone obviously we've never met, but just to make sure is someone I can't possibly know, right? She goes, oh, trust me, you, you definitely don't know this person. And I was like, all right. So for the first time, what was the name you're thinking of? 
And she goes, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed so hard on stage because the whole room didn't laugh, though. She was laughing for herself, which is, I think it's funny when you have hecklers like that, where they try to make you look, you know, I guess embarrassed on stage for the whole room. But in reality, no one thought it was funny, right? You did hear some like shocks, like, ooh. But uh, I told her, I was like, you know, that's good. That's a first for me, right? And then, you know, she thought I was gonna get it wrong and I got it right. And she, yeah. she, didn't, she didn't know what to say after that. But yeah, it's like, you know, how do you respond to getting like, you know, people trying to diss you like that? And I, I think some, and I've heard there are some magicians or some performers in general that don't respond well when people try to like heckle them. Well, I, I don't, you know, I, it always depends on my mood and my uh, whatever kind of zone I'm in. But most of the time, my default is, uh, it's kind of hard to describe because you'd have to see it and be in the moment. But if somebody has something crazy, they try to yell out at me during a, during a show, especially if I'm right in the middle of something, is I usually just stop and be like, oh, and then just go back to my, just go back to what <laughs> I'm doing. I just look at them like, oh, okay. <laughs> and just look at them kind of crazy <laughs> and then just go back on with my business, you know? Like, like I'm just okay. Like, you, you make a yeah. good point. All right. Yeah, I'm and like, you just oh, keep going. I see. Yeah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, and then just I'll go consider back. consider it. That's, yeah, that's my default. It's kind of just, I do acknowledge it, but I also acknowledge it in a way of, I'm not actually going to, to respond to anything you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that 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 was one of my favorite ones to date. I I don't think I've been dissed on stage that bad yet. To beat that one, I or I may have. I don't know. I don't remember. But well, used well, I have. It doesn't happen often, but I have had some people that are straight up like trying to you know really challenge me and stand up and 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 make an ass of themselves basically. So what my one of the things I'll do is if I have a trick that I know is a one hundred percent fooler. That is gonna make them look like they have no idea what they're talking about, or, or, or you know, is definitely going to beat them at their own game. Basically, I'll start. I'll say, okay, you know what? You're gonna be next, and then I bring them up, and then I'll do that trick on them in a way that they can't even backtrack it or explain it, and it makes them look kind of stupid for what they were what they were doing. Then uh, I think that 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 sometimes takes care of it. But I don't think there is like a one solution to fit everybody because yeah. there's so many different there's so many different kinds of hecklers and they all want something different. You know, most yeah. of the time they want to have attention, and it might be a good idea in some situations to give them a little bit of attention. You know, have them come up and yeah, let them have the spotlight a little bit. It's just giving them the illusion of control when in reality they don't. I have one trick, you know, that might work. I haven't done this yet, but you know what? This might be a good way of dealing with it. But I have one trick in my show where I teach somebody how to read another person's mind. It might actually be cool to use them for that. So it's like, hey, you get to be the mind reader now and then do that with them. And then they'll feel good about themselves or whatever. And everybody will give them an applause and then they'll be happy and then they'll shut up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you should always try to win or make them feel like they've won, even though you really won in, in the end, uh, at, at the end of the day, you should never fight with the, with a, with a heckler. I, I know some guys who, who will literally battle it out with a heckler, 
either on stage <laughs> or at a close-up setting and and they lose every time yeah you know? yeah like, well, like, yeah and, you're definitely gonna lose because the show's been stopped you know they they they, yeah. they accomplished their job <laughs> yeah yeah and i've heard this time and time again from like you know like even like professional or like more famous magicians who've, who've talked about handling hecklers you you never fight because you lose you, you'll lose every time another good this another good thing that kind of reminds me of that situation that i was just talking about that horrible gig that i had is if you can talk to the the person who hired you beforehand and get them on your side and tell them and give them an incentive say look if people start interrupting my show and you don't help me stop them uh then i'm gonna stop the show and i'm just gonna do close-up for the rest of the time that way they have an incentive to actually do it for you you know it's like hey man you're oh, you yeah, know yeah. no yeah so I that's agree. One way to do it. that reminds me of this other time that that something went terribly wrong and this was so bad i got kicked out from that from the event what you gotta yeah. tell me about that one so, dude this one, it was, it was, uh, this, uh, it's happened maybe once or twice. And it wasn't me. It wasn't like I got myself kicked out. I mean, to management, it looked like it, but in, but which is a little embarrassing on my part because it makes me upset. Like, I don't care, but it just makes me upset at the fact that now it leaves magicians or any type of performers a bad taste in the restaurant's eyes. Right. So now if someone else wanted to try to book something there, they won't be able to, you know? Right. Um, so what happened was it was, it was, a, a, a someone's birthday or something like that. And I, and you know, you assume when you're booking these events with the clients and the customers that, you know, they've done their due diligence and 99% of the time they have, you know, they've already spoken with the establishment. Like and the uh, and they told him that oh, you know we're gonna have a performer, or we're gonna have a DJ, or we're gonna have a magician, or or you know just they're gonna have some sort of entertainment, but they're letting the the location know so that they're aware of and they're not like hidden with you know they're not hit with the surprise that oh, we we don't allow magicians because sometimes people have this perception I've noticed that oh especially especially if you're a magician that you're gonna have confetti. And you're gonna right. uh, uh, bring out bunnies and birds, and you're in a restaurant setting, and that's a that's a really big health code violation. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, and you know, you and me come from catering, so we we know how that stuff works. <laughs> right. Um. So what happened was, I go to this party. I'm doing my thing, and it's a rooftop at, at some restaurant. So it's really nice. It's a big crowd. It's a, it was a summer night, and it was packed. Uh, a rooftop. And they had a private side of the rooftop, but it was open like to the air, like to, to like the sky. So they just roped it off. So one side of that rope was the party. The other one was like the public who was sitting down and partying. Cause it was also like a DJ. So I'm doing my thing. I'm going table to table. It's like maybe like 50 people there going table to table, doing my thing. And I remember beforehand that I felt weird about it because when I spoke with the, uh, the client, she was like, Oh, you know, uh, she, she already had an issue with the first location. She had she had to change the location because I think that first location didn't allow performers. So I, I, if I remember correctly, and then they changed it and then they got another location, but I think they changed it again. 
and I don't know the reason why they changed it the second time. Uh, it might be for the same reason. So this time around, she goes, hey, just so you know, um, when you get here, don't tell them that you're the magician for the party. Just tell them that you're on the list. I'm going to put you on the list. I was oh, like, yeah. cool. You remember you telling me about this, right? Yeah. yeah. And in my head, I was like, why should I not tell them that I'm the magician for the party? And she goes, oh, you know, it's kind of like a surprise. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that that makes sense. Because, you know, you, you, you don't want a server to accidentally spill the beans or something like that, right? So, you know, I, I get to the event. I... Uh, get through the entrance, head upstairs. I'm doing my thing. And I would say, so I was supposed to be there for an hour. 35, 40 minutes in, uh, I've hit a few tables already. I get a tap on my shoulder. It's this lady. She looks like management, right? Yeah. So she's standing with these two really big guys who also have earpieces, which look like... Uh, I wouldn't say bodyguards, but they were acting like security. I mean, they were probably, they were definitely security. Uh, so, but I was like, why, why is she stand? Why am I surrounded by two guys? And then her, this lady who's yelling at me in a way, she's like, um, you need to stop that. Like she, she didn't even like politely stop me. She tapped me on the shoulder and said, and then um, I, I looked at her as I was like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. You know, here, come check it out. Right. Because, you know, normally if you're doing walk around and someone taps you in the shoulder, you want them to be part of the trick, you know, just, you know, so you don't stop the flow of the trick. And then you, you know, approach them and see what they wanted. But this situation was different. She taps me on the shoulder. I'm in the middle of a, uh, of a card trick. And then as I'm in the middle, I'm, I'm giving the, I'm about to do the final part of the trick to get the, the reveal. She grabs the cards from the, the lady's hand and the guy's hand that I was doing the trick to, right? and says you need to stop and i was like oh god what like um are you the manager here she goes yes i'm the general manager here um you need to stop what you're doing um you're disrupting the uh you're not allowed that uh, to do that here you, you're you're ruining um the flow of the restaurant whatever whatever that was going on and here's the thing by this point um Mind you, there's a DJ playing, right? And there's people seated on, say, the left side of that rooftop, right? But it's a really packed space. So people are seated. Some people are standing. There's a bar at the back. There's a DJ playing really loud music, right? And then the side that I was on, those people chose to suddenly start dancing, right? And they started to, like, somehow move some of the tables to the side. And they they themselves made their own little dance space in the middle of the rooftop right which i guess that bothered the general manager because you know you don't really this is not a rest this is not a club it's it's a restaurant yeah. but but to in my mind i'm like well you have really loud music from the dj playing like you know like electronic music and like latest hits and stuff it sounds and feels like a club what did you expect and you're on the right. rooftop you know, like, don't assume like, sh and, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because she told me, look what you look what you made them do. And I looked over, they started doing like the, the dance line where everyone forms a line, and everyone dances. Down <laughs> <laughs> she goes, look what your magic made them do. And I was like, oh, no. oh 
I made them dance. That's great. <laughs> oh, good. People are having a good time. You're having a good time. I'm sorry that, you know, I mean, first of all, I told them, I was like, look, that was not my decision. I did not tell them to start dancing. That was on their own. But if you want to say that my 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 magic and I my my uh, entertainment made them want to get up and dance, that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was being sarcastic with her too, because she was being just really rude to me. So um, she goes, "You need to stop," and she pulls me to the side. She goes, "Look, you need to stop right now. Are you a guest with them?" And in, in my head, it brought me back to what the guest told me to say. But I'm like, "Well, yes, I'm on the list." but I'm also their entertainment, to be honest. She goes, okay, well, you need to stop. And then you need to get, grab your things. You need to leave right now. And these two guys will escort you, right? Oh, and I was like, yeah. okay, well, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm upset at this point because I'm like, it's not, don't get mad at me. Because I told her, I was like, look, I had no idea that you didn't know. She goes, yeah, she, no one told me. And I was like, I'm sorry, don't get mad at me for that. My assumption is that she brought it up to you guys and you guys were okay with it. So I, I just came and did what I was supposed to do. That's not my problem whatsoever. I'm not, I'm, it's, I'm not responsible to call you guys and let you guys know that someone that's throwing a party at your place is having me there. Right. You know? So, so she was giving me an attitude and I was like, look, can I at least go tell my client that uh, you're making me leave? She goes, I'll tell her for you. I'm like, okay, can I go with you so I can make sure I know what you're uh, that you're gonna tell her that I left. Yeah. I didn't just leave. So I follow her. She grabs she grabs the lady, and I'm looking at the lady uh, to see her reaction, right? And she didn't have a reaction. She was like just casual. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. You could leave. And that's when I realized she knew this this entire time and didn't tell me. Oh man, that's brutal, so she, dude. And then, and you know, as a as a walk around magician, you don't really want to be seen not doing, not working a table, or at least interacting with a group, you know, because yeah. if that was the case, then I could have been more subtle with it. Yes. Yeah. You know? And that so, yeah, that's another another example of these these event planners. You know, they gotta take some of the responsibility sometimes, man. Yeah, because I mean, it makes it's it's not. Yeah, I understand you trying to, you know, you want your entertainment, but you're also ruining it for everyone else. You yeah, know? and you guys just that. just just do the due di diligence and call whatever location that that their event is happening, and just let them know, you know, that you're gonna have. And a lot of the times, most of the time, they're okay with it. Sometimes they're iffy, but you just have to let them know that you know it's not your typical magician. They're not gonna pull out rabbits or bunnies or confetti because this other time i remember i i did an event and it was one of those like really fancy like restaurants where you're required to wear a jacket and it was somewhere around central park and i get there and uh the management didn't know that i was the magician coming to this dinner party right it was it was like a brunch right and he 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 was already kicking me out from the second i walked in okay Right. And I told him, I was like, look, I can't leave. He's like, well, you have to leave. We don't allow magicians. I was like, because, you know, you're going to make a mess. You're going to be loud. I was like, correction. No, I'm not. Okay. Because you don't know me. You're assuming I can't leave because she paid me already. Right. She already paid me half and I'm here to do my job. And I can guarantee you 
that I'm not going to pull out a rabbit or a confetti or a bunny of any kind, right? Um, it's just a bunch of card tricks, okay? And he goes, ah, okay, fine, right? And then he goes, he brings me over. He, he speaks to her, and then she comes to me. She goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I honestly forgot to tell him. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's like it just makes you look bad, and it makes anyone else in the future, like, just it, it ruins it for them. Right. Man, yeah, that's crazy stuff, dude. What would you say, as a performer, from all these events that you've done, the events that I've done, when things do go wrong, right? Because they will. And I know some people are like perfectionists and they, they need things to know happen exactly how they how they happen. But things will go wrong. You know, they will go not correct. And what tips would you say, if you were to say your top three go away tips if and this could be any profession you know because like and it's usually this dude usually be, obviously be a performer um but like you know this could go into a you know i could definitely see it with like photographers and stuff and and comedians and singers you know because things will go wrong your mic might not work all of a sudden you know your prop might break you might forget your lines what three tips would you say especially as a magician where you have to think on the spot because not only do we have to try to fix the situation, but we also have to do it in a way where we're not revealing a secret. Mm. Well, I think uh, the very first first thing that I try to remember is what exactly is in my control and what's not. Like, so anything that's outside of my control is not worth getting all, you know, flustered about. So like if a mic stops working and stuff, I'm not going to sit there and start freaking out internally, you know, because it's like those things happen. It's totally, you know, all you can do is prepare, you know, all you can do is perform the best you can. And whenever something really goes wrong, as long as you keep your cool, a lot of these situations do have a, have a way of, you know, working out. And it's, it's usually whenever you do start freaking out and getting anxious and nervous or angry or whatever, that's whenever bad stuff can become yeah. worse stuff, you know? And people will see uh, that. The other thing, yeah, people see that. And I think that people would have a lot more respect and uh, appreciation for somebody who doesn't lose their cool yeah. in those types of situations than they would somebody who starts getting all upset and worked up. That would be the first thing. And then the other thing is, is, you know, just preparing and thinking ahead of time of and and you know even before you go to a gig or before you even get a gig just kind of imagine in your mind things not going well and uh you know how you would respond to it ahead of time or like how you know how you could explain these types of things to uh the the client or whoever the you know whoever's hired you and the other thing would be uh you know it's kind of hard to say. There is no absolute 100% guaranteed way because a lot of these things are unexpected. That's the nature of, of them. Yeah. You know? yeah. But like I say, I'm thinking more of the psychology of how I think in these certain uh, certain situations is, is is as long as your response is rational and calm and cool, then nobody's going to get mad at you most of no. the time. No. And if yeah, they yeah. do, that's also not up to you either. You know, <laughs> like if yeah. they get mad, that's on them. All you can do is say, hey, listen, I apologize. The mic didn't work well, you know? Yeah. And and one tip I would say for me, I always, so I have this thing where whenever I book an event, 
uh, or now, like recently that new like magic over webcam type of thing, I oh I have a tendency of over exaggerating the type of event it is, right? So I'm preparing to do the best performance or the best tricks that I can do for the event, right? Because in my mind, this is the event of a lifetime, <laughs> right? Everyone right. there is like super pumped. They're excited to see you. They paid a billion dollars to see me when they really didn't, um, but they did pay good money. The client did, you know. So you want to make sure you, you you do your you know do, you do a good show. But in my mind, I always uh, get myself anxious because I always see it as it's more than what it really is. And then when when you get there, you realize it's nothing like that. So I feel like that kind of it's kind of like the opposite of like lowering your standards. You go in preparing for it to be at really high stakes, but the high stakes is so high it doesn't compare to what the event really is. I think I think I do a little bit of both now that I think about it because I do get extremely anxious before I go to a gig because I am expecting it to be uh, more of an important like you know like kind of like the situation you're talking about yeah like also try actively to downplay it because i found out that every time especially whenever i'm doing a, a like a stage or stand-up type show i find that once it's time for me to go up and start doing it i'm just going into this almost like autopilot state like i'm not even thinking about it anymore i'm just doing stuff yeah. and i can get into that zone and i can't really remember how i did it you know what yeah. I mean? It's like yeah, I have almost like an amnesia afterwards. Like I don't know how I did it. And sometimes that's whenever I come up with some of the best like one-liners or the, you know, I have really great performances. I just naturally get into that state and I can't do it unless I'm in that situation. You know, like exactly. it's like once you once you get into that zone, you do it and the more you do it, the better you get at it. I mean, I I remember the first time I ever did try to get up on on a stage and start doing stuff. I was so unbelievably anxious that it was like painful, you know, I was like, oh yeah. my God, this is going to be, this is going to be so horrible. But then I once I to... get up there, then it's, everything runs smoothly, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, I used, like, I grew up on the stage per se. Like I was always performing at recitals, like piano, and then I was in a dance thing. So I was always doing something on stage. So, but, but the thing is, I was always super nervous on stage, like all the time. Um, but I think doing magic and like studying acting, it's really helped just, like you said, ground yourself. And just um, once you're on there and you're prepared to at least, at least be ready for your first five to 10 minutes up there and do it well. Cause once you start off well, like you said, everything just start, just flows into its normal thing. Yeah. And having confidence in your, in your material, you know, yeah. at the end if you know yeah. that your stuff's good because you've done it a bunch of times and you see how people react then you start getting less and less anxious yeah yeah it's only when things go wrong when you're caught off guard <laughs> yeah and whenever you do get caught off guard like i said dude so many times whenever i've had things that look like they like like oh there's no way that people yeah. didn't see this no one really if i just go it. on yeah, if I just go on as if nothing happened, like nobody's ever come up to me afterwards and been like, hey, I saw that, you know? Yeah, yeah no, it's almost no like they forget. Ever, no one ever notices. The only time they do notice, I realize, is when you, like you said, when inside your head you're freaking out and then it shows in your body language. 
And yeah. as human beings, we pick that up. And that's when people realize, oh, he's really nervous. But if you could stay calm and just act like it's part of the show and you just keep going, no one will think the wiser. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, cool, man. It was yep, fun awesome. having you. Uh, I, I think we had some great funny stories and you heard a story that you didn't know about. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I was telling Dennis that we should do a conspiracy one. Oh, dude, I'm down, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, yeah, you could have this podcast be just Richard Richards, whatever. You know, we'll talk about whatever. <laughs> yeah, because I think that'd be funny. Because I know whenever we hang out and whenever we're at your place, like we go crazy on that. Yeah, especially especially Dennis, man. Like whenever I first started talking to him about that, all of a sudden he was all like, "Oh man, dude," and and he's all connecting the dots and stuff, dude. He's all <laughs> over the place. And my thing is, is I don't even really believe in the stuff that much, but I I still love it. You know, it's kind of oh, like no, UFO same. stuff. I don't yeah. believe in it, but I love yeah. reading but it's about great. it. It's 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 a great like storytelling like mental thing you know like like just the scenarios just sound so crazy it's hard to not like question it you know yeah yeah all right man so how do people find you what are you doing next what is up um you know want to give a shout out to your your way of connecting with you on the internet all right. If anybody wants to connect with me, just add me. At, well, look, see, now I am going to have to tell my first name, but uh, I'm usually on Facebook uh, and that's just Robert Watkins. And then you'll see uh, I'm Watkins Mentalism or Watkins Mentalist uh, at gmail.com. Either one of those is good. Uh, good to contact me through email. Uh, the other thing is uh, what I'm working on next is I got this new book coming out. It's all about billet stuff and and some of my ideas a lot of it's basically an expanded version of uh, my lecture notes from the tour that I did with Kent and that's going to be done here before long and um, other than that not really too much else that's been my main focus yeah I mean we're on lockdown so we can't do much yep. so yeah and then you know hopefully once things pick up we could get back on that web series and actually do your, your special there on that yeah for sure all right man well, it was fun. Yep, uh, thanks for having me on. Later.